0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Doctor Usher Ways in. This is a podcast where we talk about uh, healthcare, uh, healthcare costs, medical weight loss, and sometimes just whatever uh, I feel like talking about. <laughs> uh, today, though, I have a really uh, exciting uh, guest with me, uh, joining me from um, uh, another uh, area in Wisconsin. Uh, is a, a gentleman uh, who I have become acquainted with over the next the past few months, who really has an eye for trying to figure out how to make the healthcare system uh, truly uh, more just and equitable in the sense of uh, how it can work better for everyone out there. And so, um, I'm without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, Matt Port. Matt, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background, and then we'll talk about your organization, Self-Fund Health, and we'll talk about why you do what you do. So uh, welcome, Matt.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, good morning, Dr. Usher, and thanks for thanks for having me today. I can tell you that these discussions don't feel like work to me, so you'll probably see a little passion come out. But, um we should have fun in what we do, right? And I've always somehow been attracted to the biggest problems. I um, My background is, and that's kind of maybe unique and different, but it's because I like to solve them. It's because it's fun for me, if you will, uh, to solve problems because solving problems usually means helping people. So I had started out my career as really one of an employer focus. So I've done, uh, my work has been kind of from the inside, if you will. And it feels like um and i don't and maybe this is part of the solution too but it feels like all the folks which there are many now uh popping up every day trying to solve this healthcare problem uh, in america are from the outside you know all sorts we have so we have great support from providers and and doctors breaking off and all sorts of things but the employers um, are the ones who are the peers along with their employees and so uh, I think that gives me unique perspective, but uh, 23 years primarily leading uh, human resources for companies. Uh, but I've also been working with Toyota, you know, also got into even leading lean manufacturing. Uh, so lean concepts not apply to all industries. So we, I use those a lot in my problem solving and not just manufacturing um, and uh, or organization development, if you will. So my passion, I was always kind of a different kind of HR person. I was always Trying to improve something, and you know the kind of the is the mode in HR, and, and folks maybe can relate to this is that you know like play it safe, don't upset anyone, and um, but I think as we find ourselves today, this uh, kind of slow bleed, if you will, uh, over the past twenty to twenty five years is still, you know, uh, dying from a paper cut that took twenty years to bleed out is still dying, and so, you know, I mean even so, why why let it. You know, fall apart slowly. It's time now. I think it's come to light that it's time for us to do something. So, a couple of things. So, where where I really started to get involved uh, in healthcare was when I took a VP of HR role at Merrill Steel, a very largest fabricator in the Midwest. So we shipped off steel, we fabricated, and shipped it off to build football stadiums and all sorts of, and then lots of boring stuff like warehouses and things. But uh, we had some high profile stuff, and we had two locations. We had central Wisconsin and, and Missouri as well. And so um, this was really the first time. So I like to say this to HR folks, CFOs, CEOs, doctors, whomever, um, I've learned most of what I know about healthcare and strategy and this that we developed of which we can talk about in the last six and a half years. So if you, you know, I always like to say, if you find yourself and you're like, man, those guys are talking, I don't even know what acronyms they're talking about. We'll try to avoid those. Uh, but I don't understand what they're talking about yet or this feels overwhelming. I always like to say, um, uh, it's okay. I I was there not that long ago and I just developed this passion and started reading books. And, and so, it, but at Merrill, we had a pretty good plan, but it was becoming overwhelming that the owners couldn't uh, fund it out of their own pocket. They didn't want to pass it on and make the plan horrible. Like a lot of plans have degraded over the last 20 years. And so we started a journey and that journey was, Um, really that the systems uh, aren't um, working with us well. They're not playing fair. They don't tell you the price, even if you ask them. The bills come in eight pieces. The explanation of benefits doesn't explain much. They overcharge at three to four times Medicare, at least in Wisconsin, and then they'll take you to court very quickly if you don't pay on those overpriced bills. And so we said, what can we do alternatively? So we started to build an alternative system, and that we can talk about that, but that led to over five million in savings over a five-year period. Frozen premiums now for six in a row, and a whole host of services, no-cost services added to um, um, to, mem- to available to members. So that's and it became kind of a success story. One of the five, six, seven in Wisconsin, and leading to speaking events and fun stuff like that. And then um, and then we also started a healthcare best practice group. Um, that is really blown up. And we can talk about that. But that's uh, today is over 200 employers and over 200 other organizations. And so we've started having employer events. And that is uh, something that's really starting to um, help educate, education's probably 90% of it, but to educate employers, brokers and others of how we can actually solve this problem. Um, So
0: When I, can I interrupt just for a second here? That's,
1: that's kind of my intro, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's a. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. Mm-hmm, the, right.
1: um,
0: lean management you mentioned, there are mm-hmm. probably a lot of people who are familiar with that, but um, that is, basically that's largely around maximizing value for your customer and eliminating as much waste as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the second thing uh, that it seemed like you mentioned uh, besides the lean management. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess the well, let's focus on lean management for just a second. Mm-hmm. When you sure, say sure. Um, I use those principles, what are the kinds of things that when you say, mm-hmm. gee, what I mean, what are the obvious wastes that you can look at and go, we had to get rid of that? What was you know? well, I mean, what, like fundamentally, really, the question is what the heck is the cause of this problem? And and then the the second part of that is, I have been to one of your best practices meetings and um, you, in your introduction of yourself there, uh, talked about the idea of trying to build a system that's more just. Um, And those, somehow I think the waste and the injustice are related. (laughs) And I I wonder, can you elaborate on both of those a little bit? Because you, I mean, and then I have all these thoughts about what are we gonna talk about today? There's a million things. Um, The other question that eventually we might get to, and I don't, maybe not this moment, maybe that'll be in our next uh, episode, but Mm -hmm. why not just go completely single payer and let the government own all this, you know? (laughs) Um, that seems to me like the opposite of lean management, maybe that's the answer, but I, <laughs> um, right. anyway, so, um, but you had a lot in there and I want to be sure that we allow people to hear about what some of these exciting things you're doing, the best practices, the self phone <clears> health, um, uh, the stuff that you did, I mean, your credentials for having built the program are, um, unassailable, right? You, you, you built this system that's just worked and worked and worked for Merrill, um, mm-hmm. And so, from my standpoint, your credibility is is top notch. So, um, assuming that, uh, that I guess the I just think fundamentally, what is at the root of these this healthcare problem that we're in? How does the solution that you're uh, thinking about with uh, self fund health address that? And how does the best practices um, uh, meetings or consortium or group how is that going to support um, and how does self-fund health and how does that fit together and, and so on maybe talk about all those things that's a that's an arm load
1: yeah no you got a lot of good stuff there and we can take it and I I won't uh, ramble as long as I did my intro we can make this a fun discussion but maybe, it might be, it might be good. And just to talk about that justice and maybe start there. And I'm glad to talk about some of those other points. Those are really awesome points to talk about, you know, the justice thing. Um, you know, I think if you were to say, well, what is justice? What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, to me, it's uh, for those that are able, and I guess able means sometimes just not giving up, right? But not, nothing really special about me. If you think I'm somehow got Ooh. some Gift or whatever, right? I'm mean, just a farm boy from Iowa, and uh, we learned some good values there. And we learned that uh, trust is really important to relationships. And when someone or or entities start breaking trust, which has happened, so we look at the entities that we're supposed to be able to uh, trust. The the mostly uh, almost almost exclusively uh, high percentage nonprofit hospitals, at least in Wisconsin. So these are organizations that uh, my uh, understanding, and I think it's fair to say, is they started out as benevolent, selfless, community-oriented organizations. And what they've transformed into from the top, by the way, so we're not talking about doctors, nurses, all the staff. We're talking about a top-level, small group leadership. It's a national issue. It's bigger in Wisconsin, where we get to claim the fourth worst in the state currently, um, but this justice part is standing up for the oppressed this uh, these organizations including now insurance and many of the brokers have jumped on this because they all get paid but all these entities I jokingly call the gravy train are making more when the costs go up and, and are the costs going up uh, it's out of control And I think if you ask any citizen or any company today they tell you and it's kind of um, you know this quiet, uh, issue it you know but but if you get them talking they'll talk they'll tell you all kinds of stories so i guess i don't claim to be a hero i don't claim to be special um but i i do like purpose and so i'll you know so i've dedicated the rest of my career um, to uh, trying to help solve this problem and stand up for those that can't fight for themselves and because of this is affecting wisconsin communities and families so,
0: so from a from a justice standpoint, um, kind of pits, well, there's a comparison involved there, right? Mm -hmm. So um, where's the justice in a system where one group of people uh, gets all of this, and another group is either paying the price for that, or they don't get this, which we think everybody should have access to. Um, And so in the sense of justice, there's a there's a, to me, there's this—I hate to call it an industry because I'm a physician. Mm-hmm. I don't like think of myself as industrial, um, but in a sense, I'm kind of a, a mechanism of uh, production for the industry. Um, there's there's this industry over here that's just making this unfathomable amount of money every year, and okay. it grows and grows, um, really, on, basically unchecked, right? Um, right? Because the more the more people spend in healthcare systems, the higher the insurance premiums go for the companies that pay those bills. And the bigger those premiums are, the more money the insurance company makes, right? And, and um, is it fair to say that the vast majority of insurance brokers out there still make bigger commissions if the premiums are higher? Is that still true?
1: Yeah, we call those misaligned incentives. So even, you know, there's a lot of good folks in these roles, but you do this five, 10, 20 years and pretty soon the conscience is no longer triggered. And it's kind of like, that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, and it sounds kind of oversimplified, but I always say we, every partnership you have, if you're an employer or whomever you are in any, in life, they always have to be win-win, right? So anytime Those are the ones that sustain because you get something out of it, I get something out of it. But when we have win lose relationships, like we have with uh, with those entities and 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 then American communities, it's a win lose. So that's not sustainable. It's also not. uh, It's also an injustice.
0: So house, it's kind of a, it's like building a house of cards, right? You just keep Mm -hmm. adding little pieces on. At some point, it's just not going to hold up, and. And you've had the insight and the foresight, as uh, many others are coming around to to recognize. You know, the patient here is bleeding out. We're very anemic. We can wait until the patient crumps and uh, and dies and codes, and we have to jump on it with all this emergency crash cart kit, or maybe we can do something to stop that bleeding and and create a system where not only is the patient maybe not bleeding, but uh, begins to thrive again,
1: right? Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's standing up for them, and then you know, in cases of the payers, I, it sounds kind of funny to say, but the the biggest group here that's asleep is employers, and and why that's funny to say is they're they're writing the checks, but I think if if you've been advised where maybe the broker doesn't know other options or doesn't want to share other options, whatever it may be, now we are running in. It's a small percentage right now, and I think it'll grow but running into brokers who are giving absolutely wrong advice. They'll say, you have two choices. You have this, uh, this big, 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 big carrier or this big, big, big carrier, and no mention of strategy. Uh, you know, Optum RX is, um, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know their long-term history. I can tell you who they are today. There is so much hidden money in the PBMs and, and, and the big carriers as well. It's just horrible. From a lean perspective, it's, um, not a pretty picture. Of course, you lean person like me, like might say tons of opportunity, but Optimus expected to make over 200, approximately $200 billion this year. As a and pharmacy
0: so, benefits manager,
1: right? As a, as a pharmacy benefits manager, as a PBM, sorry. I'm throwing, yeah. That's and I, I just, I was just curious, right? I mean, it's like these, we throw out these numbers mm-hmm. and I said, I wonder how long, you know, like how big is a billion, right? Just 1 billion, not 200. Uh, but said, how long would it take us to count to 1 billion? You know, this is how Matt's mind works. So bear with me, <laughs> right? And so, but, so the answer is if we counted one number per second, it would take us over 37 years to count to 1 billion. And here we have 200 just in one year. So uh, somebody's writing those checks and I can tell it, right? It's employers and employees and their families. And it's just not sustainable.
0: Right. I've heard it said that... Uh... I've seen it in writing, actually, um, that we have to disavow uh, ourselves of this notion that um, that somebody else is paying the bills, because ultimately, what money goes into the healthcare system is ultimately coming out of the individuals' pockets. It's a little like corporate taxation. If you say you're going to heap taxes taxes onto a corporation, you're really just taxing people, right? Shareholders. Right. Uh, somewhere that money's coming out of the system. If uh, that comes out in the form of dividends or a drop in my stock price or uh, mm-hmm. slowing of corporate growth and so forth, you really didn't tax the corporation because the corporation isn't, while well, legally it's a person, I guess, but it's not. Yeah. It's not somebody at home with a with a family to feed. The corporation's just a a document essentially, um, but that right. sets up a set of rules. Same thing is true, I think, in healthcare. When you say, "Gee." Uh, uh, even though the employers do provide the cash and the and the the mechanism through which um, health plans, insurance companies, and so forth are paid, ultimately, if it wasn't as expensive, uh, some of that money would, or if not all of it, would flow back to the employee in some form, right? It would whatever savings there could be could be spent on other benefits or um, you know higher salaries, that kind of thing. So individual People also have to kind of get a wrap their head around the notion that uh, this is not somebody else paying your bills, it's you paying for health care in one form or another, whether it gets funneled through your employer or it doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah I think there seems to be a sentiment in our country today, you know, uh, where, right, if the fact of the matter is that nothing's free, someone's always paying for it in this impression that. Uh, big corporations or the wealthiest individuals have endless money, and so therefore they should be taxed. you know, and then somehow that money will never run out. Um, but what they're doing is sparking industries, sparking jobs, and those—that's kind of a, a philosophy of capitalism, if you will. Um, but somebody's always paying for it; nothing is free. And and in this case, we're seeing an overburden of employers. We're seeing smaller employers, uh, 50 and under. Without good options, and I think we can find those long term. But our focus is a little bit bigger right now. Or you know, maybe we could do fifty, but maybe hundred or more is kind of a self-funded guideline. Uh, but some of these employers, they're just saying, I, "I cannot afford it anymore, and I don't have, or at least aren't aware of options." And I'm just having to not do healthcare. Now, there even is a penalty uh, for the employers that are bigger over fifty. There's a, a two thousand a month uh, penalty. <laughs> Right, uh, so it's cheaper still, to pay that well,
0: health than to, to create a health
1: plan. Two thousand versus fifteen thousand or twenty thousand, I mean, then it's not a bad trade for them. But then there's a recruiting and retention issue, right? So that comes into play, and that's one of the big uh, one of the big gains of improving your healthcare if you're an employer, is health. As uh, recruiting and retention is really tough right now, so I've seen seen that firsthand where employees would say, "Well, even if I thought about leaving, I can't because the benefits are too good." Uh, so for those struggling in that area here's a, a motivation for you as well that this can make a difference
0: golden handcuffs they call that
1: yeah, yeah. Strap right.
0: Job, you, you don't really like very well but the benefits are so good you won't leave it
1: yeah well that can i mean hopefully you're working on the culture too and that was that was my game before even the healthcare. care I, lo- I was kind of the guy they uh, hired to come in and fix the culture but yeah i mean it, it's a re- it's a real thing and um you know so employers need to um, need to think about how they're going to retain good folks because, uh, for the last two or three years, there's been more jobs than people.
0: Right. So you, um, that is, that's absolutely correct. We see it in our own clinic, trying to find people to, who fit our culture, who we think are a good fit for our culture is, is a real challenge. Right. Um, you, um, mentioned, the size of employers and the idea of what we call self-funding. Assuming there are a few uh, listeners out there who aren't familiar with the idea of self-funding or, or otherwise known as self-insurance, can you give us some some real just kind of fundamentals of what that is? What does that mean exactly? And then maybe talk about what, what self-fund health is and what you're trying to do there.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, So self-funding is maybe not well understood. So I think it's a great question. And, you know, we've, we've come to say, and um, I've been saying this for a few years, but it, it, so with a caveat, it didn't used to be like this 20 to 25 years ago. So, so the context in in which I speak is really the last, just say 20 years. Um, So, but it's no longer, it appears today, every, every indication I see, someone tell me if, you know, if you know a better way, but that if an employer is fully funded, that that is not a sustainable path long-term, that that no longer in today's healthcare world is a sustainable path. So we talk about this because the increases are 9, 12, 15, 30, once in a while you get a zero, that's when the insurance company made a lot of money. Um, But we've seen 30, 50, 70, I've even seen 100% in one year where someone called me and like, man, and this was when I was at Merrill Steel, please help, (laughs) 100%.
0: So so being fully funded means that uh, they're buying um, an insurance package from an insurance company They just write a big fat check to the insurance company for the whole year, basically. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And at the end of the year, that money is all gone. The insurance company does all the work and whatever is left over is uh, their profit. And depending on how that went, uh, or maybe they had a really bad year and then they turn around and take this year's charges, whatever your employees spent, and create a new charge or a new premium, they call it. Uh, For the next year, which, as you were mentioning, can go up zero, or it can go up ten, or fifteen, or twenty, or thirty percent.
1: More often, it's now in the last few years, especially it's really high rates. And yeah, so it's a company. uh, So when you talk about insurance, you talk about risk. So it'd be it would be having the insurance take on a hundred percent of that risk. And of course, insurance companies insurance really can't lose as long as they have a decent actuary, right? They're always going to pad the numbers. So you're talking about 115 or 125 percent of expected claims, and then as you said, um, when uh, if wherever claims are, even if they're 70 percent, now could they lose money? Sure, they could in one year, but not typically multiple years. But they're going to keep all the spoils. So you're you're taking on no risk, but you're also paying dearly for it. So the employer, the employer and the employees. Then is the trans- yeah, but mostly the employers. We talk about the non-government side of healthcare, right? So. Uh, about 50% of all the insurance or the healthcare in America. So the question as we shift to self funding, self funding says, uh, we're going to take on some of that risk. And I always like to say, and you've heard this, uh, David, I think in in the event, but I bear with my kind of cheesy examples. But if you're fully funded, and you have a race car, and maybe it's kind of a mediocre race car, but you could, you put a new paint job or a new number on that car, it's not any faster. It's not going to win any more races. Um, so if if you switch, so I think I, we see this a lot where employers switch to self funding, and they've got, and they somehow think that that's that's kind of the end of the story. That's really the start of the story, and they might even save a little bit. I mean, you save two and a half percent of taxes in Wisconsin just like that. Uh, that can be hundreds of thousands if you're a larger plan. but but what the point is you need to put a new engine or a new transmission or new system. You, you need to build that car. And just as an employer then if they switch to self-funded, they would need to build some strategy into that plan so that they can so then they can reap. so the difference would be then they reap the savings. So if you're forecasted in say you're putting in let's say 300 grand a month into this fund, if you only have if you're fully uh, insured, you don't, that money's gone and it's gone forever. But let's say you had a hundred thousand in claims and you put in 300, if you're self-funded that 200 bank and piggy bank, and you say now, it, it, right. You could have a high claim later or something, but every month you gain that money's yours. And so if you can do it well, you can, I've seen employees send or employers send all their employees on trips Uh, You could make the benefit plan better by lowering deductibles. You can put it toward the bottom line, toward raises, which typically are gobbled up. So that's kind of the first surface uh, discussion for self-funded. And then the better strategy, and that's kind of you had asked what we're doing at Self-Fund Health. That's how I've dedicated the rest of my career. And we're helping brokers and employers do that. And so it's, it's based on a strategy that I implemented at Merrill Steel that I'm continually refining and interesting. And you're actually maybe close to a couple of these success stories. As we look around the state, we see school districts in Western Wisconsin. We see employers in Western Wisconsin. I know of at least three. Uh, We see one over on uh, east of, uh, in between the Valley and central Wisconsin and various others. It's a small group, but when you look at the strategy that they implemented, it's actually very similar. It's one to say, we wanna build an alternative system and only use the system, the hospital when we have to.
0: Right, interesting. So the direction you're heading with self-fund health is to give people the tools, uh, not only to, to understand uh, really uh, health insurance kind of on, let's say writ large, right? The whole, if you're, I had a conversation with an employer the other day who said, um, "It's he's been looking at uh, taking their company self-funded uh, for a couple of years. And he said that it has been uh, just a continuous education as they ramp up to go self-insured. So this, there are aspects of our health plan that I've been paying for for years, you know, writing checks for the, as the general manager. I have no idea it was even baked in there, you know? And so as we look at going self-insured, he says that we p- keep peeling back these layers. And I think you've, you've laid it out Uh, very nicely as basically uh, a a jigsaw puzzle with about 30, 35 different pieces where um, if you don't know even that those pieces exist, uh, it would, you can see where there would be very, very intimidating and hard to kind of wrap your hands around how to, how do I create this myself? And as a small employer myself, we have about 30 employees. and currently, by the way, we don't offer all of the health insurance uh, benefits that some people would want um, precisely because of cost. And so if you think of um, building that yourself as, as the person who isn't doing health insurance, I don't, I would look at that, let's say I was just making race cars. Um, I don't make health insurance, I make race cars. I don't have time to get into health insurance business. I just want to make race cars. Right. Right. So if the cost is prohibitive to get into the health insurance business, um, because I, I just look at it and it's so daunting, like, oh, my God, I could never do that. It's too complicated. It's too complex. It'll take me too much time. I don't have the resources, the people, you know, to do those things. Smaller companies, particularly, we don't have dedicated HR people. We have people who do HR as part of their job. Um, but we may not have the person, you know, the mastermind sitting there who can pull all the strings and make all this work for us. So, um, so the self-fund health thing is, uh, that you're uh, gonna tell us more about uh, is really aimed at trying to help these people who are just completely paralyzed, I think, with, I would make this move if it wasn't going to cost me so much time and emotions and energy and, and time. Um, and frustration and so forth and trying to put that into something that is a little simpler for that I would call it accessible right it's like a health planning for my people that's accessible it gets them health care and not just not merely what I call merely insurance not merely insurance what we're going to do now uh, as we're winding down towards the end of our episode uh, we are going to lay the groundwork for our next episode which is Gonna be back again with Matt Ort of uh, Self-Fund Health. And um, he's going to give us some of the nuts and bolts of what his solution is providing for people uh, and why we think that should be helpful. And then uh, probably that will engender some discussion about how many other folks are out there um, doing the same thing, maybe and that might be insurance, it might be mental health providers, it might be EAP or surgeons or uh, whatever that is, but we'll learn a little bit about uh, what Matt knows and and uh, we'll look forward to hearing more about that. So, Matt, thank you for your time uh, this go-round, and we will talk back with you again uh, for our next episode on Dr. Usher Ways In.
1: Sounds great. Very much enjoyed it.
0: Okay.